the What Are You Doing Movie Archives. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Down In Front. Our movie this week is The Nightmare Before Christmas, the 1993 stop-motion feature by Henry Selleck. Yeah, yep. It was like a Tim Burton story. Yeah, Tim Burton's name is all over it. People always want to say Tim Burton directed it, but he did not direct it. Tim Burton wasn't creepy enough and they found Henry Selleck. Go ahead, uh, pop in your DVD or what have you, press play, and then when the Touchstone logo fades to black, press pause at the first frame you perceive of all black. <laughs> like I've pressed pause here, and in a second I'll say three, two, one, unpause, I'll press play, you'll press play, and we'll watch the movie together in perfect sync. It'll be like any other commentary, of course. In this case, it'll be with four friends in your head, and maybe later three friends in your head and one friend in the bathroom. <laughs> There's the pizza's some, really messing pizza, with me right yeah. now. <laughs> Boy, at, at the table today is myself, as always, Mr. Teague Christie, and my friend Brian William Finnefter. Hello. Uh, Michael Dorkman Scott. Howdy. And Shrey the Amazing Stokes. Hello. This movie, I and well, oh, we'll get into it. I know you're thinking hot topic. We're going. I promise. Oh boy. <laughs> this movie. I grew up with this movie. I can't wait to find out what hot topic uh, has to do with I, this. I, oh dear. Oh dude. Oh, so very I'm, dude. I'm clearly the wrong age. You haven't okay. gone to the mall in the past two decades, have you? No. Okay. Yeah. We'll talk about it. We will talk about I'm, it. I'm only aware of Hot Topic because I have friends in their early 20s. Otherwise, yeah. I would not know what Hot Topic well, is. The, the we apolo- we apologize for that. No. The, um, the way I learned about this movie was I saw it a couple times and then kind of forgot about it. But over the course of I was growing up right around the time where Hot Topic was really huge and now really like – lame and the whole thing happened it was always lame fig shut up michael and the <laughs> the big deal was everyone that was into nightmare before christmas was into hot topic and no everyone who was into hot topic got in nightmare before christmas because they started slapping fucking jack and sally faces on on everything <laughs> they could figure out that was made of vinyl yeah yeah these that's... people had never seen nightmare before christmas they just liked the character and then they discovered there's a movie <laughs> okay they probably think it's a hot topic movie yeah, produced by Hot Topic. <laughs> going to go with Michael liked this movie before the other guys came into board. Anyway, so my, my understanding of this film for years and years and years was, God damn, those emos. And I never went anywhere past that. And then later I found out that Danny Elfman did the music, at which point I was like, oh, really? And now I've seen it and appreciated it as it's, – it's, it's actually not a movie that I like very much, but it's, it's stunning as, as a body of work and especially as a body of songs because lately I've been doing a lot of musical stuff in – it's kind of cool to see how Danny Elfman himself does it, and he does it quite well. Brian? Uh, I'm kind of in the same boat with you, minus the man love for uh, <laughs> Danny Elfman. So it's like, uh, yeah. it's okay. It's I there. love Danny it's Elfman. Cool. Yeah. I, I saw it when it came out. I, I've probably seen it in the interval since, but not in a long time. Um, that's pretty much all I got. Michael? You're, I you're, love you're pro- this movie. You're protecting it pretty fervently from yeah. the emos. Oh, God. I like, love this wow. movie. And I was going to say, because we're, you know, we're getting around the table. like, I have no up pr- on the couch yeah. like a bear protecting yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have no particular feelings about this movie either, so I'm glad. I was like, oh, this is going to be a, a lame commentary. But, okay, Michael's here to, to tell us why it's awesome. Yeah, so my, my, uh, I, What's your experience with this movie? Well, I saw it when it came out in theaters, and I just completely fell in love You'd with it. You'd have been a baby. You'd have been like 10. I was 10. I was 10 years old. And this movie came out 16 years ago for those who... Do the math. Are, are working on the math or yeah. don't Wait, know what, what my age is right now. Um, you lost me. 16 years. And, and I've just – yeah, I've, I've always loved this movie. I mean it was, it was one of the few movies at that time that um, I went out of my way. I like I, – I saw there was a making of book and I got that. And then we, we had this movie on Laserdisc. On a what? So, laser, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So when so oh? so we were, um, you know, I, I got to see all the special features because they put out a big Criterion collection that was like three inches thick because it had like twenty discs in it or whatever, <laughs> um, for with you know twenty minutes on the side or uh, however it worked. But um, yeah, I just I just 
ate that stuff up because I just loved this movie so much, and because um, it's just so unique and it's so interesting and weird. And, and it's and, a great premise. Yeah, and, exactly. And he's I'm the mayor of Halloween. Or he's no, the, he's the he's, king. He's, he's the king of king. Halloween Town, um, and he finds Christmas Town. And I, uh, thing. yeah, it's a thing. That's all you need. Just go. And I, you know, I'm on Make record as not being the the biggest fan of Danny Elfman, but I, I can't like I got to give him this one. I love the I love the songs in this. I love the way it's put together. It's just and it and it get you know, um, it's a short movie. It's just a little over an hour. It gets in, it gets out, and I. I think it's solid. I don't think there's – maybe I'll find some things, but uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Although the argument can be made – I thought we all loved this movie. So just to keep it interesting, <laughs> I, I had I had conceived of the notion that I was going to try to make the argument that this was insidious communist propaganda. But well, Feel free. <laughs> which I can, can continue doing. I'll put on my Fox News hat power. with the propeller on top, and <laughs> we, can, we can talk about it. Trey, this is real, people. This, this is real. Yeah. <laughs> I you know I don't have uh, strong feelings about the movie one way or the other. I I saw it when it came out. It was uh, you know it was enjoyable. I enjoyed it. I certainly didn't hate it by any means, and I enjoyed it. I, I don't think I've seen it in the sixteen years since it came out. Maybe um, I actually probably anything I'll bring to the table is a little more about some behind the scenes stuff because the company that made this, um, which I guess at the time the company name was uh, Skellington Productions, they actually kept that name for quite some wa- for quite some time. But the next project they did was James and the Giant Peach, James and Di- which was also Henry Selick. A center- same company, same facility. They changed the name to Peach Productions. At least that was the company name. Now, right around the time they would just finish James and the Giant Peach was when we were staffing up down the street at Tippett Studio for Starship Troopers. And Phil Starship wa- Troopers was effectively a stop motion animated. Well, well, movie, Phil wanted right? a lot of stop motion animators, and every. Every stop motion animator in the plant in the world was down the street working at Selleck's company because he hired every stop motion animator already. So part of the fun was trying to get people to leave Selleck to come work for us, and that uh, that was quite a story. Um, and I'll tell that story along the way. But so I don't have really heavy have any pithy thing to say about the movie. I think it's well made, and I'm uh, they really push the envelope on what's technically possible with stop motion, and they pushed it again with Peach. Um, and then a movie that many people don't even remember they did after that was called Monkey Bone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, uh, With Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser. And same group. And that was a movie that was you know in the can forever before Mon- they finally let it be released. Monkey Bone I haven't seen, but I've heard on the commentary – Selleck, his director's commentary, he basically sits there and slams the movie. Yeah, he kind of dis- <laughs> disowns it. So, yeah. Well, Trey, how do you feel about Danny Elfman? I, I've loved, I love Danny Elfman. I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm, I, can, I can say that I'm the only person who's ever seen Danny Elfman live with Oingo Boingo in this room. Nice. Live with Boingo, yeah. I, yeah. Like, I like Oingo Boingo. I oh yeah. Say. Well, you know, God bless you, Michael Dorkman Scott. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I well I love Boingo because it, you know, to me it's still kind of weird. I still don't think of Danny Elfman as a as a movie composer because that's weird. That's his new job. Uh-huh. You know, he's <laughs> he's the Oingo Boingo to me. Um, Did you ever it, see Forbidden Zone? Uh, it's a movie he made with his brother, and it's about, I've heard of it. You know, I've never I've never seen it. Bizarre as shit. I've never seen it. Um, but no, I loved Elfman. I love Boingo still to this day and I, I, I generally like uh, Elfman scores and you can almost always spot an Elfman score yeah. you know it's pretty easy to spot we'll when, get into that dork man yeah but um, maybe not on this one but, uh, I may yeah. be I may be loving a little harder on him than I usually but I love Elfman I, I'm I'm mixed on Burton you know Burton as we as we pointed out and I think Burton admits that he doesn't know what makes a good script <laughs> he literally has admitted that publicly he makes no bones about it he delivers great visuals so if you want uh, you know, and this is kind of his story idea. Yeah, but he was an animator at Disney for a long time. And yeah, this is back pocket. This is his story idea. So, but it's kind of like as we as should it, probably get playing. Yeah, on this. it's kind of <laughs> developed along the way. It's very collaborative how this sort of became what it is. So yeah. anyway, we're gonna play. We'll get right back into that in a second. Here yeah. we go. Remotes, mouse. Three, two, one. Unpause. 
it's still only a 70-minute movie. So that's true. That's, that's true. We may fill uh, it up just having this done. conversation. Yeah. So uh, now Touchstone, we were talking about this before we started recording. Touchstone is, is actually Disney. Um, they're it's, not it's, it's Disney's edgier label. It's Disney's – well, and now, now, they're talking, edgy-esque Disney label. After talking dark. about yeah. pushing, pushing the envelope, I mean, I mean this isn't that big a deal because it's all but the, know, stationary. But yeah. In a uh, second where he goes into it? Yeah, but, but the, just the fact that we're in a stop-motion movie and it's got these wild crane shots and dolly shots and, and you know push in and push out, etc. Etc. Um, that's a much longer uh, kind of little poem there. Yeah. You probably want. It, I, I have the soundtrack, and it goes. Oh, this on is so cool! And, and motion control made that possible, but these these guys really incorporated motion control into because stop motion. No one made a stop motion feature before this for like thirty years. Right. I mean, this was a dead technology. And I, from what I understand, supposedly dead. It was unused. I know that oh, Tim Burton God, was I love working. This song. Oh, anyway, all the music. We'll just get into such the music. a great way <laughs> to I, I start promise it off. We'll get Stop it right now because we're not actually going to hear any music. So. Um, we, um, as far as I know, Tim Burton was an animator at Disney, and he had brought this idea to them, and they were like, "Yeah, yeah, okay, we'll take your napkins, and now we own it." Yeah, <laughs> and he came back ten years. He came back a number of years later and said, "I, I, do you have any interest in doing this? Because I'd like to do this for you. How can we make this happen?" And I guess they expressed some interest and had something to do with the production of it, which go Disney. But for a long time, it just sat on the shelf as this idea that Burton had had in, like, film school after making a couple of stop-motion, like, film projects. Yeah, well, he – I mean, basically, the kind of thing. He was working at Disney when he conceived of this, and you, you sign a contract they, where – They own it. Where if you come up with – basically, anything that comes it's out like of your head – It's like the Hewlett-Packard thing. They own yeah. it. You know? Yeah. Um, so don't say it out loud. Exactly. And, <laughs> yeah. And have a way to, to you know don't, – don't have ideas while you work there, basically. No, never, yeah. ever. All right. This is Halloween. Yeah. How do you how do you start your musical? Well, <laughs> you introduce the characters introduce in the situation. It, it's oh god. <laughs> and no, this is Halloween. Let's, let's go back real quick to the premise. It's such a st- you can always I always have this this theory and maybe you guys disagree or maybe you agree, but that you can a really strong premise, you just hear it and you just smile like, "Yep, that's a movie." Uh-huh. Yeah. And here's the idea. A, her st- here, here's how it's going to look. It's going to be this really stylized thing, and it's going to have great music by the guy that did Oingo Boingo's songs and all that. Sh- it's going to be this great thing. Here's the idea. It's the skeleton king of Halloween Town <laughs> who is unhappy with the repetitious nature of Halloween Town and finds Christmas Town and wants to bring it back. Right yeah. there, you're just like, well, that's not a movie, but that's an insanely great starting point. <laughs> You can do anything with that. You can the uh, idea. The you idea could greenlight it based off of that. Like, yep, yeah. I think yeah, I can see the action figures were gold. Let's yeah. go. Kmart, oh, Kmart's oh, already on the line. Oh, and you so very can. Yeah. Oh, I, I, yeah. I mean, you've got the sketches already and all that. So, I, I like. Um, I personally, I, I mean, I really love uh, stop motion uh, as well. Uh, just as a, a style for making uh, films, I think some some stories like this one are very. Incredibly well served by uh, by stop motion as opposed to traditional animation. Yeah, it kind of makes sense to do it in stop motion. Yeah, um, and I like they they I like the kind of juddery stop motion that they've got. I mean, pe- people are it's like anamorphic uh, lenses and stuff. People are always trying to cut down on the artifacts, the flares and stuff like that. It's like no, that's what I love about it, you know. And and just like this, you know, uh, Tim Burton's later foray into this uh, Corpse Bride Corpse a few Bride, years right. ago. Um, was much. I mean, the technology it was had advanced, but it was like don't feel it. Anymore. The story wasn't that great. The, I didn't think the music was very good. Um, no, the only thing from the courts tried that I I liked was the one piano thing that he wrote. Uh huh. And and you know this this one is basically animated on twos. They they there's essentially twelve frames per second. So to cut down on the really? workload, they animated which is, that way, which is common in which, stop mode. That's how it's normally done. Yeah, but it's very, and, very unusual to not animate on twos. It se- it seems to me that in in Corpse Ride they seem to have animated. Every frame. They seem to have animated it's 24 very frames. It's very smooth, and I don't like it. 
I like the I like the juddery look better. And you can see all the if you watch just watch a character and you can kind of see the fingerprints changing and all that, which is also something. Well, not on this one. No, they were they were made of plasticine. Well, you can see well you can see little little changes on a frame to frame basis. Sure. That, that aren't just the motion of the character. I do well, remember playing. They're not made of clay. You can see that not, kind of stuff in. Clay. These you are, can see that kind of stuff in Ardman uh, animation. Yeah, definitely for sure. Ardman, but even Ardman has uses tricks like face replacement, which is what they yeah. use on this movie yeah, as this well. Is, you know, they're not Dr. actually strange love. They're not. Actually, yeah. yeah, they're not actually reshaping the mouths to make them articulate. They actually have replaceable have mouth faces. parts, and they someone has already doped out. The, the pattern of, of what their, of lip, I, their lip I'm pretty sure yeah. that moment right there is probably what, what shifted them from Disney to Touchstone. They're like, she just takes her arm off and runs <laughs> away? And she's fine with that? Yeah, no, no, no. I don't think Touchstone. we pointed out that, that you know a Disney movie, like a Pixar movie or whatever, will go out with the Disney logo at the beginning because Disney is, you know, that's their brand. Disney is all. If something is a little more edgy and, and adult-oriented, it goes out as a Touchstone film. And I don't know, do they still have Hollywood pictures? Because no. that was their even more grown-up Yeah, no, label. Hollywood. That was, that was uh, their horror sci-fi label, was yeah. Hollywood pictures. There was um, a moment just now that we kind of just, we, we, were, we weren't talking about it, but I wonder how ingratiating it is. To, I, I realize that I'm putting some weird stuff on the screen I, at this point in the phase of filmmaking that I'm in. I think Disney's going to make this. How do I make people know that at least the lead guy isn't mean or creepy or anything? And you just basically have him turn down all these obsessive, creepy fans. Mm-hmm. You have all these people that are like, yeah, and he's just like walking away like, you guys are weird. I'm normal. <laughs> Follow me through this movie. I think we all, we all know people or are people who, you know. Have to avoid the <laughs> the people who still want to talk about what we did 15 years ago. Yeah, uh, I think we all can relate to that. I like her the little flash of her uh, right. pupils there. Now, right off the bat, uh, we were talking about this before the thing because Michael and I are just gigantic dorks. But our, who's who, what's what's your favorite song in the in the show? And this is usually the one I say, Jack's Lament. Where he's just like, I'm not going to hum the melody because we'll get sued. But where he's walking <laughs> over the big curly mountain in no, front of the moon. Yeah, and that's, that's, this is fair it's, use. This is comment, commentary and criticism is fair use. That's, so. the, that's the iconic yeah. moment. Well, I it's think. just sort of that very sweeping. It's this beautiful waltz. Uh-huh. It's just yeah. so and – you, and you put it right over that image. It's such a perfect mix of what's happening in the music and what's happening on screen where he's walking over this bizarre – like straight up, there's nothing this could be but Nightmare Before Christmas Mountain with the curly cue, <laughs> and a giant moon and the music and it just it's if you, if you wanted to sell someone on a movie with one shot, that's the shot for this movie, and that's why it's on the poster. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's <laughs> very, yeah. I, it's very much. well. It's, I mean, every well, yeah, yeah. topic but, has but produced. It's, but, yeah. it's, but it's <laughs> not like but it's not like that that was going to happen over the, over the course of exerting craft work. They put together a shot where this is a perfect distillation of everything about this movie in one shot, and they put it in the movie. And they realized it was iconic later and used it on everything. But I like someone it. had to make that shot, and they nailed it. Yeah. Look at that right there. I like the weird. Uh, I, I like the the weird kind of fairy tale aspect to it because it is. It's a. It's kind of a dark little fairy tale that's going on here, and you get these weird. Uh, uh, attributions and stuff like that. He refers to himself as the Pumpkin King on a number of uh, occasions. And I'm like, how is he the pumpkin? There's not a lot of pumpkins around. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait, He's wait. not a pumpkin. Well, he, was, like, he was a pumpkin the first time we saw him. He was a pumpkin the first, the first time thing, we saw him. But is, that a, is that an honorary title? Yeah. Or is he elected to that is, position? Or, or is it the, the, well, the pump for you? You know, it's not, pump, it's not pumpkin town. It's Halloween. I, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Here's to all the pumpkins, but is he king of them? Because the other people seem to think he's king. But then there's a mayor as well, and it's like, but it's, yeah, but, but it's exactly. like, don't well, think about it's it. It's a parliamentary it. system. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's no, a king it's, and a mayor. It's, he, it's yeah. a puppet government. I'm telling you, it's communism right here. Okay, <laughs> oh. he's the guy in charge here, 
and everyone else down there just does you may their have part. Premiere, so the, but the party leaders they, exactly the they the do show. their part. Yeah. Uh, you know, they do the job that he get. We'll see it so later. He switches over to, to Christmas Town, and they're like, bam, we're doing Christmas so now. You're saying the I, two- make, I, my, I make the hats. You're that's say- what I do. You're saying the that's two- my job. The two faced mayor literally is. <laughs> and that's is how a I get my brain. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he's strictly a figurehead. Because he totally. I, I mean, we see it later. Jack comes back from Christmas Town, and he's like, hey, I think we should do yeah. Christmas. And the mayor's like, yes, we're doing Christmas. <laughs> we're totally doing, doing, we're Christmas. doing Christmas. And, and Jack is actually the one going to ho- hold up. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. I'm telling you, like, it's so funny because Jack keeps trying to talk them out of it. He's like, "I got a whole pitch here, all right? If you if you get all excited right up front, I don't get to do my spiel. So, yeah. so I need you to. Why I you got to mess with my riddle? Don't yeah. agree with me yet. Yeah, don't agree just yet. Let me. Come on, be play a little harder to get, guys. At least pretend like the capitalists are watching. Pretend that you yeah. <laughs> play along. <laughs> Is, I, I don't I don't know if there even is such a thing because their foray into capitalism with with Christmas is what brings them down. See, oh. anyway, go ahead. It'll What's, be interesting to watch this awesome. with my current political views. <laughs> <laughs> and I definitely haven't seen it. So yeah. Have some Cheetos and Lucky Charms and sit down. Yeah. Tim Burton. I, d- I don't know if there's even such a thing as what's considered a truest form of animation, but I have to imagine somewhere between cell animation and stop motion would be it. Truest in what sense? I remember well, oh, I, the the what, what yeah once us in what, what sense? Well, I don't know. It's just the the, the most. Animation was always meant to be this insanely tedious process, <laughs> and, and it is. Well, it's I know, but there's a lot of uh, all, there's there have been marked like marked, 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 marked advances in the technology that you are, is used for animation lately. That Which is why it's gotten crappier because it doesn't. It's not as hard <laughs> because to do. the entry level is is easier now. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this and it's just really good. Yeah, it's like Doctor Strangelove combined with Howard the Duck. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought and yet he was somehow really good. I always thought he was really like ducky, duck face, but yeah. he's got a little nose. He yeah. does have a little he nose does, up yeah. between his. He just has very strangely goggles. shaped lips. Well, you know, stop motion and and there's a very stop motion actually in its way gave birth to a lot of the modern visual effects industry because if you talk to any right. of the grand old men who now are the grand old men of the visual effects industry um and say, "Okay, so when you were a kid, you were most influenced by Ray Harryhausen is the answer. The yeah, the answer yeah. you're going to get. Yeah. Um, you know, or the Sinbad. Seven yeah, Sinbad. Sinbad. exactly. All With of which skeletons. are good old Ray Harryhausen. Yeah. You know, like Phil Tippett. You know, Phil Tippett will turn, will become 12 years old in the presence of Ray Harryhausen, and I've seen it happen, and it's adorable. <laughs> when you know Ray Harryhausen, who's still around and still still visits, and you know still likes to visit his little kids that he's mentored and grown up to make things of themselves, um, Phil literally will geek out in the presence of Ray Harryhausen. It's adorable Aww. to watch. He's it's really funny. This if you see him, he, he's done like interviews where he's, they've they've done symposiums and stuff where where he'll interview Harryhausen, and he's just like he turns into. Chris Farley, Mem- member on on the staircase with the sky. That was awesome. It just it's it's adorable to watch these guys. All those guys, you know, Dykstra and all those guys. They you know Harryhausen. That's what made them go. That's awesome, and I want to do that for a living. Um, and that's all stop motion, you know, because there was no other option to do movies like Clash of the Titans in those days. Um, and a lot of them have respect for it. But as you know, we I think we've covered this uh, that RoboCop two, uh, which is ironic. We haven't actually covered, covered this as a as a as a 
commentary movie. because it's not that great a movie worth commenting on. But I think I've mentioned in other commentaries, RoboCop 2 has the high watermark of the most amazing stop motion ever done in a motion picture um, combined with the very, very earliest motion capture that I did um, that basically killed stop motion. You know, it's <laughs> like you'll, there was never another realistic use of uh, stop motion in an attempt to serious There we go. Great movie. line. I'm only elected official. I can't make decisions <laughs> yeah. by myself. Hey, what are you saying, Burton? So, so a, <laughs> movie like, a movie like this, you know, a feature film that's all stop motion, you have to be Tim Burton to be able to say, no, I want to do a feature film that's all stop motion because no one would ever want to do that. Because the economics of it doesn't work anymore. Exactly. And people and, 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 and it's it. not so much the, the it's not even the economics because there's plenty of movies the economics don't make any sense. Yeah, true. But it's more that the the idea was, well, but you know, the kids don't like stop motion anymore. They don't like it. And they like computer graphics or they like cartoons. Or so whatever. you make a good story and use stop motion to tell it. Yeah, it's, nobody that, you that, make, well, that you doesn't make a good fly, story and also and also, you know, stop motion, no they recognize that it's not realistic, but if you put it in a fairy tale setting and well, allow yeah, the strange the kids, that's where it belongs. Allow yeah. the artifacts of it to become part of what the design of it is, the kids will be fine with it. Now try explaining that to a studio executive. Well my argument to a studio executive would be so what's the most popular uh, well, I guess not most popular. Simpsons, but what's the second <laughs> most popular cartoon of the last ten years? It's South Park. It's, yeah. It looks like animated construction paper. Right. Yeah. And exactly. and Robot Chicken the kids, is not the doing kids, slouchily either. The kids love right South Park. Right. But that's but that's now, and this is right. more than this fifteen was years ago. Yeah, now now so this, this is the this hardest is, shot in yeah. the movie, uh, according yeah. to the production. A little Escher painting going on. There. Yeah. yeah. But but to. To be able to get the reflection, him reaching into it with, you know, you see his reflection, but you don't see the camera. Yeah. You know, and this was before serious uh, CG. I mean, I mean, yeah, Jurassic but, Park wow. was the same Jesus. year. Yeah, so. you could do, you could do, you know, optical compositing, and there is some, obviously there's some cell animation incorporated in this, and other kinds of little animations going on. But yeah, digital manipulation of images was still not an easy thing. We were talking about how Jack's Lament is my favorite song, and I think Michael mentioned that this was his favorite song. This is this is I, I I'm not sure I can pick a favorite to be honest. I I know them all, I love them all, and and it's hard to say. But this is definitely <laughs> to me. I would say, um, from my perspective, this is the one that's iconic of this film. This is the one that I keep hearing because people keep using it in trailers and stuff, and I wish they would stop. But <laughs> they used it in the trailer for Peach. They, they they used it <laughs> in the trailer. They used it in the trailer for Casper, and I've heard it in other trailers since then. Um, but uh, I think it tells people on a subtle level. Remember how you like animation? Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know what's funny about we haven't even really. We've, well, first of all, we're 14 minutes into the movie. Yeah, <laughs> we're on page like 11 or 13. Yeah, and he's just and, we're just rampaging we're already, through the story, just blasting right through it. What's and I love the things he talks about. Like, like again, we talked about this in, in uh, Little Shop of Horrors with uh, the Somewhere That's Green song. But you hear the things that he expects to see and is kind of disturbed to see not. He's like, there's no death in mayhem. And I'm like, <laughs> what? what? <laughs> now, but, but he likes it still. For, for, so. for those that uh, are interested in such things, here's another 15 seconds of musical geekiness. If you try to play what's Instead this. Instead of throwing heads. What absolutely the hell? Anyway. no one's dead. Yeah. Fantastic. Go ahead. The um, if if you try to decipher the key of what's this, you will find about six answers. Because yeah, it changes keys the almost every yeah, every. That's uh, I was telling you about this the other week. Yeah. When you start, it's in C and it goes to B. So, but as the move as the whole song goes on, literally every verse has shifted a key up, one semitone up, a chord based on that. So it's literally it has it's it's just an, an obsessive and completely unpredictable song. 
musically. And it's and it's and, and it's. Are you it, sure? I don't I, think it advances that significantly. It. I'll I'll, I'll show you in a little while here. But <laughs> okay. I think he's for, probably played this song a lot on the piano. Oh, right. I, oh, I, I imagine he knows what he's talking oh, about. Oh, I have. And what's interesting about that is it's not so much that you can do that because anyone can do that. Anyone can make a song that's that's just blindly moving forward, regardless of the fact that songs are supposed to be played a certain way according to the last six years. Modulate, modulate, modulate. Exactly. What's amazing is that it's easily one of the catchiest melodies in the whole movie. And yet he's just playing it on different scale, different scale, different scale, all the way up. It starts in C, and I think it ends up in F. It just works its way all the way up there. Anyway, Danny Elfman's cool. That's <laughs> all I got. Well, is he, I forget. He, he, he actually started out because Boingo is just sort of a garage band of, of crazy art house guys who kind of said, we should be a band. And it started with his brother, if I yeah. recall correctly. And, and he didn't. I remember he's one of the guys who, who even couldn't even write music until well into no, his career. No, a whole big thing. Where until he, his career, in a, years into his career as a composer was when he learned to write music down, on, like to score music. Was that all the guys in the conservatories that had been writing music classically, were, they, they just rejected the reality where Danny Elfman was a successful composer because they were like, he can't read music. He can't write. Well, now Danny Elfman can, he can sight read and all those other things. He can sheet music, sure. But he came from a garage band. And became a composer, and for years, and this was like even beyond Batman, past Batman. Yeah. Well, that's what I, I and I think that uh, personally, I think that shows. I think that's why his stuff all sounds similar because he's, you know, he comes from the rock band background where they're like, we need three chords and that's yeah. it. Yeah. Well, you know, but it's, but it's also chords for three and a half. Minutes but it's also why sometimes he'll do stuff that quote unquote isn't done. You right. Because he didn't. He wasn't trained not to do stuff. Like you can't do that. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't go the, to that. Class. The werewolf occasionally looks into the camera, which I, I just <laughs> I like that he's a bad actor. Which has, yeah, basically, has to, clearly is deliberate. Yeah. It's not like that can be an accident. You know, you, you only had like a, an afternoon to notice that that's what you were doing. Yeah. With the have I talked about on the on down in front the uh, my theory about why people th- think that Danny Elfman and to a lesser extent John Williams just crib themselves all the time? Have I Maybe. talked about why I don't think that's the case? Uh, I think we started talking I don't about recall. that. In well, here's, what, here's but... my here's my theory on that. As someone that plays music and writes songs, what, what's going on with Danny Elfman and John Williams, and, and both of them, for those that aren't up to speed with my premise, John Williams and Danny Elfman, Danny Elfman more, have been accused of doing the same song over and over again. Mm-hmm. So, and and the people that have a problem with that kind of, or at least that have that argument, usually point to Elfman first. But if you listen to a lot of John Williams stuff, it all sounds the same too. I don't think in the same way. I think he writes in the same key. He's got the same pace. uh, Stick with me. This is all going somewhere, man. Forget it. He's rolling. Forget it. I'm on it. What what you pick up on... We've only got an hour left, okay? Yeah, Jesus. What you pick up on in a Danny Elfman composition, and this is for scores more so than songs, is the texture of it and the the way he uses choirs and the way he uses pizzicato or... Just the, the nature of a Danny Elfman score always sounds like a Danny Elfman thing because you're picking up on the way that it literally sounds. The I would say aesthetic of the music. Meanwhile, and he does that over and over again. And the subtleties within that are what's different from score to score. It's a very it's it's the it's not the most obvious thing you could do to change up your songs because they always sound like that very sort of pitsy Elfmany fucking sound. That's what you're going by, and it's like that sounds like another Elfman score. Meanwhile, John Williams writes. Very similarly, he writes music almost the same way every single movie, indiscriminately. He's changing them. He's doing these very in-your-face, I'm John Williams, suck my old white dick melodies. And he's just Is doing, that what he's doing? Just, he's, just, he's basically nailing you with either the strings, and they're doing well, these Well, he like, was 10 years ago. 10 years ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not so much. I know. I'm being ideal. Nowadays, I'm, I, can, I can, I'll say John Williams is... I'm being idyllic with my Williams. Going, I know. Yeah, going back to the uh, the well a lot more. But what's now, happening but... is that these are two composers that their their styles air towards one or the other. Williams writes these melodies that we all know, and I don't have to hum them for you. And Elfman writes this spacey, not ambient, but textural music. 
And if you were to just listen to them on their own merits and say, let's see, if, if I took out the melody of a John Williams song, how much does this sound like every other John Williams song? They all sound exactly the same. And the same thing with, with Danny Elfman. If I, well, Elfman if doesn't nothing, have melodies is the problem. Elfman, yeah. is, Elfman is John Williams once you remove well, the melodies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> well, wow, that's well, deep. Well, not everyone gets away with the melodies. I think, well, I think as I, I may have said before that a friend of mine characterized Elfman how perfect, did he get back? Perfect. I, I want to know how he gets back. This is the well, one thing that's bugged me for 16 years. Oh, that's how what bugged you. He, he has a trike. Back? Yeah, he, he drove back. He took the long ride. The, a friend of mine years ago caps, capsulated uh, Elfman, Elfman style in a way that I thought pretty much summed him up. He's like, Elfman's pretty simple. This dates back to, to Boingo. Um, if you want to emulate Elfman, every instrument in the orchestra is a percussion instrument. <laughs> that's it. That's good. If it's a violin, the violin goes... Bum, 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 bum. It's like everything is like banging away constantly all the time. That's an Elfman. That's the Elfman style. Anyway, in summary, what's happening is that Danny Elfman and John Williams are writing the same thing over and over again because they're contr- they're confined to who they are. Just like every music, that's fair. Yeah, there, there are very few, and and it's arguably a way to distill the ones that are freaking awesome composers that can make scores that sound actually different. Because if you had a CD of John Williams' greatest hits, they all sound. Pretty much like John Williams songs, same with Elfman, same with whatever, and you can argue whether or not there's value in not having a melody or whatever, but it comes down to the same shit. And then the guys that you get recently, like Giacchino, who did, like, I think, oh, I'm going to screw this up, I think Giacchino did like Ratatouille, Incredibles, and Star Trek. Yeah. Okay, those at three at scores, least, yeah. okay, those don't sound anything like each other. Now, you can, you can figure out structurally how they're similar, and they are. They're also very strong on melody, which is part of the reason why everyone likes those. And no one likes Danny Elfman. My daddy never loved me. I love Danny Elfman fine. Anyway, so that's my whole thing, is that people are focusing strictly on the opposite of what you need to focus on, with both John Williams and Danny Elfman, but people seem to like Williams that, more. That goes back to what we were talking about. And in, and, in, and in everyone's else's defense, yeah, they all fucking sound the same. Right, well, I, I mean, I mean, to, to, I mean, it's like wow, it's, okay. with John Williams. You give someone a, a, a CD of John Williams music that you can tell they're all John Williams songs. I yeah. absolutely will give you that because there's you no give someone a, of the artist, right? In there. You give, but you, but our, my our contention com- is, you give someone your friends just listening just went songs. Ah! Yeah, I'm sorry, tracks, yeah. um, cues. but uh, cues, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when um, if you give someone a Danny Elf, a, a, a CD of Danny Elf from music, uh, w- without looking. You'd probably not even realize when one song had become another. Yeah. Well, that's that's. I don't think that's. We're true. also defaulting to the fact that I, I was. I thought you were going to say. I could, I, could, I could probably recognize a Danny Elfman score by looking at the waveform. I could probably <laughs> just, <laughs> just yeah, look probably the, look at the peaks that just never stop. At the end of the day, although you might confuse it with Hans Zimmer at that point. That's no, true. there's a whole other thing, but we're not talking about that until <laughs> fucking Transformers. The, uh, the at the end of the day, he does, uh, it, it, Yep, Zimmer did that one. I think so. I don't think so. But we'll find anyway, out. go ahead. Anyway, uh, he claims to have done pirates. How about that? That's true. So, yes, I heard that. At That's the, true. At, at the end of the day, a composer's work is a collaboration. Here we go. They're, by the way, they're all they're all like, yes, 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 and he's like, no, no, stop, don't, don't, don't agree yet. <laughs> don't agree yet. <laughs> a composer's work is a collaboration with a director, and if the director hires Danny Elfman in 2009, it's because he wants that Danny Elfman sound. That's true. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's, so he's the, not going to ask yeah. Danny Elfman to stretch yeah. himself. He's the Christopher Walken of fucking... He wants, he wants that, he wants <laughs> that Barton Fink feeling. There's no doubt about but it. But meanwhile, yeah. you look at some of the shit where it's like, Danny Elfman did Goodwill Hunting? Danny Elfman did Chicago? Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. And then it makes more sense. You're like, well, oh, Well, okay. Chicago was already Danny Elfman, done. he did, well, he did an extra yeah. song. 
He did one extra song song. for the the credits and the score. He did do this this in-between score, I believe. He did Frighteners, and there's no surprise that that's a Danny Elfman score there. Although although when we do get to uh, Terminator Salvation, I'll I'll give you that. uh, That one did surprise me. That one was a little less Elfman did Salvation? Yes, he did. He also did. If anyone anyone has ever listened to a Danny Elfman thing and gone, you know what? I really like that, and I don't care. I, 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 I accept that I'll be ostracized for liking Danny Elfman now. Uh, find Serenata Schizophrenia, which was a five-piece uh, musical uh, opening thing that he did for, I don't fucking remember, like the Met or something. Uh, and it's orchestral music, not film score, just Danny Elfman writes classical, and it's mind-blowingly cool. <laughs> yeah, I love uh, – the, the, I mean, look at these people. He's, he's like, hey, I think we should do Christmas Town. You get it? No, but let's do it! <laughs> yeah, and he's like, well, whatever. all right then. He's like, he's like the, the kid from the Twilight Zone. He's like, just don't kill us and wish us into the cornfield. Yeah, exactly. I don't get it. Us. I'm on board. Yeah. I'm on board because you're the boss. I love it. You're the king. What the hell are we going to do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're the king. We're going to say no. I, did I already? Uh, may have I've share- seen what you do to people who disagree yeah, with you. I may have shared it in, in some other commentary with you guys, but uh, I remember someone, uh, a, a musician friend, said when he was learning, you know, like as you do, you, know, you hear a piece of music and you, you try and pick it out and you, and you find some things are surprisingly easy or hard. And someone pointed out, at least this is years ago, someone said, you know, it's kind of strange because I, I, I hear a song and then I get the sheet music and I kind of try to learn to play it. And you know who's really easy to learn to play is the Beatles. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and and that's because I love that this is again, a book. I want this book on the, Amazon. The, and the point, yeah, I'm going to send it to half the and people the reason, I know. And the reason is, as we were just saying, the Beatles were self-taught. The Beatles were just some guys who got instruments and said, "Oh, look, I learned an E chord," and then they write a song was with it, an E chord. Trey, was it you that was, and then, was and then talking about the, the rest uh, the of my story? The rest, the rest of my story goes, um, <laughs> and he goes, "You know who? And you know who's really hard to learn to play? ABBA." Yeah, <laughs> and and yeah, yeah, yeah. which is kind of like you kind of go ABBA. Why would ABBA be hard to play? ABBA are four very very high end sophisticated music students. They're all music school graduates. ABBA songs are phenomenally musically intricate and complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, you can dismiss them as oh they're stupid pop songs, but you know, a musician will go these are something. These are like <laughs> Rubik's cubes of music. <laughs> you know, you have to be you have to be a PhD in music to be able to suss out this tune. Um, and that you know that has nothing to do with whether who's respected or whatever. But uh, you know, strange, <laughs> strangely enough, under the hood, you know, a Beatles song oh, yeah. is easy to learn to play, and an ABBA song is probably more sophisticated than most people could ever learn. And it's the same way with uh, Queen. As far as I know, Freddie Mercury doesn't have any training in piano, and yet he wrote had, most of his songs on the piano. Yeah. No, no, he's alive, <laughs> <laughs> and he's not gay. Um, no, he's gay as hell. This is oh, <laughs> okay. Not, fair enough. Okay, th- this is interesting because <laughs> because you get this weird. It, it, it it's interesting to me because I don't know um, what the uh, the movie is quite uh, trying to get at here. Maybe it's just <laughs> what accidental. are you doing now? No, 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 no. Just in the sense that uh, I've always uh-huh. thought that was good. They're just straight through it. <laughs> A great effect. But well um, like, there's this juxtaposition of of. Attitudes of like religious and scientific attitudes towards Christmas, right? Because because he he just pitches and he he goes full preacher mode on them. He's like Christmas, 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 and they're like hell yes, Christmas, hallelujah, um, hallelujah, exactly. And but then at the same time, so so there's like no critical thinking involved there at all on the part of the townspeople. But on the other hand, he wants to get this, so he goes all crazy critical thinking. And yet at the same time, you're also looking at him going, you're doing the, you're going about this completely <laughs> the wrong way. He's like to scientifically <laughs> analyze the. He's He's autopsying Christmas. Yeah. is what he's doing. So, so it's it. What's what's funny is is you just look at it and you're like, 
neither neither side is coming at it from the right direction, yeah. and I that I don't know what's left. <laughs> they're they're both coming at the wrong part of the problem. Yeah, that's what true. they need is yeah. commercialism. Yeah. Exactly. They're heading. They get- need capitalism. <laughs> so, so this is really just a big redressing of how the Grinch stole Christmas in its way. Yeah, it's, like, it's it basically is. the opposite of that. It's this yeah. one guy up on the hill that loves Christmas, wanting to bring it to people that hate it. Right. Which is, which is again, you know, well, well no, not not wanting to bring it to people who hate, hate it. It's it's more like, uh, you know, again, in, in the, terms of in terms of uh, uh, pitching the communist thing, it's like know your role and play it. This scene, Don't oh, try yeah. to do someone else's role because you'll fuck it up. I thought this was a scene that was great because it plays out the premise of what this show is about. And it's like, it's like, how does she escape from the tower? She leaps. She yeah. falls to a thousand bits and she just puts herself back together because <laughs> she's a rag doll and that's what she does. Yeah. So it's kind of bizarre and sick that yeah. you know, she willingly shatters herself into pieces and that yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah, she's just, oh, good. Oh, that Hello. went well. That went well. So it's it's. Oh, I still have an arm this time. Yeah, that's awesome. You hung on to an arm. Oh, that's lucky. Yeah. <laughs> so it would have been really unlucky if I lost all my limbs. Yeah. yeah. Shocking! Shocking that uh, you know Disney didn't want this to have the Disney logo on it. Yeah. They Ooh. went out with a Touchstone logo instead. She's she's stuffed with leaves too. I love that, and it's always fall, so she could just grab something. She's like. Yeah. I'm looking for, to put a little, uh, you know, uh, big is in. Friend this, of mine, years <laughs> she just cuts herself yeah. open and stuffs some more leaves yeah. in there. Ye- years ago, uh, uh, not too long after this movie came out, I helped a, a female friend of mine uh, be Sally Ragdoll for Halloween, and we had a good time doing that. We gave her like big, gigantic, horrifying surgical scars all over the place, and she she went as Sally. There's Ragdoll. an album by Mindless Self Indulgence called Frankenstein Girls Will Seem Strangely Sexy, <laughs> and the cover is another. It's a kind of Sally kind of chick with the makeup. But then there's a, like a whole MySpace page full of people that have tried to do it, and it's just divided these, by it's just these chicks yeah. that are painted up like <laughs> Sandy Sally. Claus. I've yeah. always liked it. That, that's something that that I didn't it's quite a, understand Arebus. until later. It's a rebus. Um, the the way he misunderstands the name of Sandy Santa Claus. Claus. He's like Claus, so yeah. you must be some mm. kind of lobster creature. Yeah, Claus. I guess I kind of because see that's it. the way he thinks. Like, look at the texture of the ground, uh-huh. and also on his the pinstriping. I they, they made a comment in the behind the scenes, and I was sort of like, yeah, whatever. But they said they're trying to make it look like a a sketch come oh, to yeah. life, yeah. And I'm starting to see the textures that they're using that kind of make it feel like. Oh that. yeah, definitely. It's on everything. Just these these chicken scratchy type of uh, yeah. uh, textures, like cross hatching. Yeah, yeah. Sort like of, cross hatching sort of. in 3D. Because that's the way he draws. Like like he'll draw little spirals and stuff like that. Just yeah. to, you, to yeah, you can ab- you can absolutely see the reason people think this is a Tim Burton film. Yeah, because it really is a Tim Burton film in terms of the feel and the concept of it and the look. Absolutely. I mean, this is clearly a Tim Burton inspired film. This is another very strange moment where I'm almost like you know weirdly this this seems out of place. <laughs> I know this this is a movie that does a lot of weird shit, but. Uh, this has no precedent. <laughs> the, the magic Christmas tree. Appearing. Yeah, the magic Christmas tree and her having a vision. It's like, wow, now she's lost her mind, <laughs> just out of nowhere. And that's and that, uh, considering what her life has been like, that's saying a lot. Yeah, exactly. That's what sent her around the bend. It's like it's like, where, where do these visions come from? There's no indication that she's one of those kinds of characters. If she was, I totally accept that in this world. But otherwise, it's just she's like, I just had this weird dream because I eat too much. Frog's breath and nightshade. Yeah, she's kind of a kind of a ghost whisperer in this world. Like she's having visions of Christmas. Oh my god, she's out of her mind. That's a weird thing to say. Although, by the way, leading your kid around like he's a fucking rabid dog is also a little weird. But <laughs> oh, yeah. then again, he has uh, no eyes. Again, that's what's weird to you in yeah. this town is that not the guy with the axe in his head. No, the <laughs> thing I love that guy, but. Um, yeah. Where he says, hope he hasn't died. It's like, yeah, huh? you you know how this works, yeah. right? What kind of musical is this exactly? Now, this, it's 
like all good animation or, or good filmmaking in general, there's so much, you know, work that's just flashing by on the screen, and hopefully you're not paying that much attention to it, which is like the, the, the good and bad of doing the kind of work we do. Because if we do our job really well, people won't notice that we did it. And, and this, because again, this is stop motion. This is physical. They didn't even have the advantage of computer graphics where you can do anything you want. This is everything that you're seeing on the screen, one frame, two frames at a time, because it's on twos, but still two frames at a time. Some human did every single thing. All these, you know, every time his finger bone moved, someone had to, sn- to step in and tweak it just a little bit and step back and take the next frame. Um, and that's how this entire movie got made. So no wonder no one wants to make features this way because it's insane to do a feature this way. <laughs> it's I remember, crazy insane to do. I remember it. playing with stop motion as a kid and l- loving it. I mean, it's just such an awesome tactile function, a tactile way of, of making something, you know? Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. It, it requires – I mean you actually have to – for one thing, you have to build everything that's on screen. That's, right. That's part of it. So, so stop motion people tend to be more generalist because they're used to having to build a lot of the stuff they're using. I mean Harryhausen was a total generalist. He, made, he built his own stuff. He built all the armatures. He built the characters. He did the sculpting. He did, built the sets they were on. And he did his own shooting. You know, he was just a guy. Literally, he was a guy in a, in a small room pretty much by himself making those movies. Uh, just going crazy. Yeah, yeah, and see, now he loses the science. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to do it because I don't understand it. And it's like, okay, there you go. <laughs> that's the resolution. That's a good plan. Stop thinking. That's, that's, how, we got, that's how we started. That's how we got to into, into Afghanistan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, I don't get it, but we're going. Yeah, just because I can't see it doesn't mean I don't believe yeah, it. Yeah, we'll work it next, out. Next, next he's going to claim that, that Christmas Town has WMDs. What could go wrong? I'm the Pumpkin King. Come on. <laughs> I'm the cream of the crop. This ship can't sink. So <laughs> – so, Phil Tippett, of course, came from stop motion and did these amazing things. And then, you know, as, as famously, and we covered it in the Jurassic Park commentary, when, when computer graphics came in, Phil said, well, that's the end of me. I'm a dinosaur now. <laughs> um, uh, uh, don't you mean extinct? Yeah. It, Phil, Phil, was, Phil was a little bit put out that Selleck down the street suddenly got to make an old school stop motion feature. Like, oh, what? <laughs> hey, come on. But uh, he was excited because at least all of his old stop motion friends had a job. And literally just anybody who's anybody in the world of stop motion got a gig on this film, and that was great. I love the horror by the uh, the vampires. They're like, what? Yes. <laughs> vampires are kind of like Mormons in this. They come <laughs> off Mormons who are afraid of the sun. That's pretty much their thing. <laughs> That's all they are. They just go door to door and kind of, you know, glance at you askance and move on. So they should be on bicycles. So with that little name tag. Yeah. So the, the, the story – and my apologies to all, all our Mormon listener – but the – no, you're the, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> the the next film they did was uh, James and the Giant Peach, which was not a huge success. But right at the time that James and the Giant Peach was had had finished and was waiting to come out, um, was when we were staffing up for troopers. And Phil wanted to get stop motion people because we had our stop motion armatures to do the troopers critters, um, and we could not get any good stop motion animators because they all worked for Henry Selick. And the deal was that, that, that Peach, James and the Diane Peach, had wrapped, but Selick, with Burton's money behind him, they were, they were going to do a new film right away. And they, they were literally keeping everyone on staff, even though there was no film going on in-house. That's really bizarre. It's really bizarre, and that, but that's how much money they had at the time. So all the great animators were like, why should I, you know, I'm getting paid to be on vacation now at Peach, and I'm just waiting until their film gets greenlit, and then I'm going to have a job on that. So why should I quit and go do your stupid Verhoeven space bug movie? 
and we talked to several of them, but most of them wouldn't even talk to us. You know, they're like, "Well, no, I've got a good gig." You know, and I can, and I can understand the deal. I'm like, I, "That's a good gig." <laughs> you know, you can. It's, it's hard. It's hard to make that that yeah, pitch when you. It's don't hard to make a it. counter argument to that pitch, and a lot of them would come in and go, "Yeah, so you know, we have access to the studio and the model shop and everything, so we get to Henry wants us to make our own short films, so we just make our own short films, and we saw a bunch of short films that people made out of there, and they're all brilliant and amazing, and wow, you know, and so we're like, yeah, we're, so Phil is like after like. <laughs> Months of trying, I said, Phil, we're not going to get, we're not going to pry anybody loose from selling. I mean, we're not going to get anybody out of that company. That's just, we just have to face facts. We're going to have to, we're going to have to grow our own. We're going to have to grow our own stop mo guys. <laughs> um, we're just going to have to raise up a new generation. I'm sorry, those guys aren't coming. Um, we finally get one guy to agree to leave Selig and come over and join us at Troopers. Uh, 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 Gibby, Tom Gibbons, who I think worked on this film. He definitely worked on Peach. He's one of the animators on Peach. I don't know if he was there for this film. Um, Gibby, last I, last I heard, is still there at Phil Tippett's. Oh, wow. He, he turned out to be great. He turned. He became a great animator. First was a great armature animator. Became a great animator in general. Great guy. Very talented. And I, I believe still works at Phil's to this day. Um, but he was the only guy that we were able to get from Selig's entire group of animators to get to join us instead. And then we kind of had the last laugh in a sad way because Peach came out, it tanked, and the deal and this, the next movie never materialized and all those people were let go. And then, of course, they all really wanted to come work at Troopers, but we were staffed up by then. <laughs> so that's just how it works in the industry. And I don't blame them for their decision that, that I would have stuck with it too. But unfortunately, Peach was a, was a bomb. Uh, even though it's a fun film, I, I, I really like this song, and I I particularly enjoy the fact that the three of them don't exactly seem to understand what their goal is. <laughs> they don't. They don't they, really get like it. Like most of their most of their uh, plans involve uh, brutally murdering Santa Claus <laughs> in some form or another. Yeah. <laughs> I, I and did, it's like I, no, no, bring him back. <laughs> yeah, no, bring him back alive. I, but I always like these characters. I think these are among my favorite characters in the show. Is, yeah, they're is fun. These three goof, goofy, you know, who are these people? Where did they come from, and how did they get this job? This this girl, I think, uh, clearly inspired by Wicked Witch of the West. She just oh, has yeah. that vibe. Yeah. She's sort of Brian, what's going through your mind right now? Where are you? What, what happened to you, man? <laughs> Brian you used to know away. what you sounded like. But I, I don't know. I'm Brian watching. Uh, I don't. I just don't know what I have to say about this movie. It, you know. And another thing say that, something that we were that we um we were skipping over um, but when uh, when Jack was uh, singing away, but um, Elfman again is the singing voice for Jack Skellington. True. Oh yeah, we so, talked. There's and, fucking and Chris, voice actors in the Chris, uh, yeah. Chris Sarandon, Chris Sarandon, is, Sarandon, the Sarandon voice. is the speaking voice. Uh, who is Humperdinck from Princess Bride. Yes. Right. And so, the vampire from Fright Night. Yeah. So, and Catherine O'Hara and the, and the is brother Sam, of is and Sally, the, isn't it? And the brother yes, of Susan Sarandon. Catherine O'Hara is Sally. But it's interesting because Chris Sarandon, since this is practically an opera, he's hardly in it. Yeah, he doesn't have Most much of to the do. time is, is Jack singing. Like, yeah. <laughs> So. As, a, as a musical really should be. You know, yeah. very, very little of the plot is carried by dialogue. Most uh-huh. of it is carried by the songs. Think nice. these, wow. Snake. A skull with one eye. Mm. That is a creepy visual. Snake eyes. Leela. It's Leela. Well, as they covered in the special, oh, what the hell is that? Yeah, exactly. As they, as, they, as they covered in the special features, you know, the, the the libretto was kind of put together basically by Burton coming to Elfman's house periodically and going, "Here's the next part, and we need a song that kind of fills this part." And Elfman would write that song. So there really was never, I think, if there's any script to this, it's like an after effect when they had to just sort of yeah. s- stitch some songs yeah. together in case there was any information that they needed to add. How do we get from the this song to the next song? Yeah. 
in five minutes. Which is the way that a musical definitely exactly ought to be. That's the point. Be, so. If if you're not if if it's redundant information, then what's the point of the song? Like the song should be. It better be a really good yeah. song at that. Yeah, exactly, point. a real good song. The character designs are almost annoyingly marketable. <laughs> kind are of. You yeah. up well, on that? I mean, you see how they get there. You, you know, I don't. I don't. I can't necessarily fault Hot Topic in that sense because these are obvious things to to throw on. You know, uh, satchels and temporary tattoos. But nonetheless. It's more. It's more about. Yeah, I can't believe they got away with that guy with a friggin' axe in his head. <laughs> well, that's I really, the touchstone again. Yeah, that's why it's know, touchstone but. and not Disney. Now, what about? There's this, also Buena Vista, right? Buena Vista is. Where does that is, fit into? Buena the Vista is, brand? is more their family oriented, but not animated kind of brand. Disney, Disney is is more unless it's really really. For kids stuff, um, like like the Pixar stuff, I think goes out. Does Pixar goes out? Pixar as, goes as out Disney, as Disney Pixar. As Disney yeah. Pixar, um, and they're they're out of their own in-house animated stuff. If they do any, what they they still do, like Lalo and Stitch and things like that. Buena Vista is like live action but family friendly, like Santa Claus or something. Gotcha. And Buena Vista, they've had forever. I mean, the old yeah. Kurt Russell comedies were Buena Vista movies. I always see that's the only moment where you see him be scary, and you're like, oh, that's why. That's why they're all scary. Well, earlier <laughs> he had he. He like leans into the camera. It's during one of the songs, I think. He's got all the red light and yeah, his really, face transforms. Yeah. It's like, whoa, you're oh, you're right, Halloween Town. I yeah, mean, yeah, I forgot. Yeah. You uh, are the Pumpkin King for he, some reason. He totally is the Pumpkin King. I love this. She's like, he fuck is the this, squad. <laughs> fucking Sally. Hold on, let me let me get this. I got this. <laughs> <laughs> now, isn't that Wallace Shawn does the voice of that guy, or is it somebody like that? I don't know. Probably. I don't think it's Wallace Shawn. It's somebody. Oh, no, it's uh, uh, no, it's William. Uh, it's the it's the old guy from uh, from. Uh, the old fella, the old actor, <laughs> the old guy from <laughs> the old, old fella, the old guy the from old thing. the old guy from the name of the rose and and Pritzy's honor and uh, William somebody. He's very old and he talks like that. He's dead now, of course. <laughs> Way to lighten the mood, Stokes. Hello, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Halloween Town. I, I, I love. Re- I reference the, death. Now look at, this, look at this. Look at this. They're they're actually floating around objects on strings and then just animating around yep. that with this complicated ass series of mats that they had to do. No, you just make sure the strings don't show up. There's just well, I mean, the, 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 what are you talking about? Well, the strings show up, but when the they ghost. when they had to show like the ghost fingers wrapping around the box, so there's like these little basically. Holes I, think, I think a lot of these animation. ghosts are double exposure. I think uh, they're they're DX or, or at least just comp, simple comp. I really enjoy this song because you know, going into the the musical theory of it, it's it's a song about oh, this is great, we're doing it, but it's a really dark, kind of scary song. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And again, look at I mean, look at these things like like paint drips down that thing. That's yeah. animated. You have to have to go in there and paint a little more drip on every two frames. Um, it's stop motion. And it, you see flowing water like the the creature from the Black Lagoon. Creature jumped out and drips came off of him. That's all animated things that have to be built and animated frame by frame. I can't imagine this would have been as entertaining of a movie if he had stepped into the St. Patrick's Day tree. Yeah, <laughs> would have been very. Drunk. It would have been. They would have been killing leprechauns left and right. <laughs> yeah. Nah. Or the Thanksgiving. Tree. Although they 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 occasionally, you know, as as would again be be completely reasonable, they thought about that. After this was a success, they were like, maybe night yeah. or two. And Jack goes to Thanksgiving Town. Jack goes and, to Easter Town. Yeah, and and uh, uh, fortunately for all of us, yeah. uh, Burton completely put the kibosh yeah. on that. He's like, no, that is never going to happen. <laughs> they were they they even Damn briefly Disney. they even briefly considered doing it as a CG feature. Uh, oh, I'm sure they earlier, did. Earlier this century, basically. But uh, Burton is like, no, 
that is not going to happen. Let's just let it go. Um, although they have since converted it to 3D, so now they can release it every year at, at uh, Christmas time. Nice. On IMAX? Um, in uh, – at least Disney Digital 3D. In fact, it's probably Ooh. playing at the El Capitan right now. Nice. I've always wanted to go see it there. I haven't gotten out any years before. I'll do it. This, I'll do it tonight. Fuck it. <laughs> There's a short movie. I can many, watch it twice. How many Christmas movies does Disney need? I mean, they, they, they <laughs> yeah, have right. this. They, we already did Polar Express all of five years ago, and now they've got a Christmas Carol for heaven's sake. Yeah. What the hell? Well, they got to keep Zemeckis in business for some reason. <laughs> yeah, because Zemeckis needs money. Yeah, Zemeckis with uh, let's that's the only explanation I can figure for these horrible movies he keeps making now. Mm. But that's right, I said it. What? Yeah, I don't know what happened to Zemeckis, man. We were just talking about this earlier today, actually, <laughs> over lunch. Yeah. Like, oh, that's shiny and beautiful. The man, the man. He's well. He he's akin to to Cameron. He's akin to Lucas in that you know. Wait, I don't even have to have actors. I don't have to wait for the physical world to to, yeah. to, to do what I want. I can just invent everything. Um, he was always that way. I mean, he Zemeckis is like Cameron in that he always pushed the envelope of okay, this is what I got on film, but I so want to manipulate this image further. And, yeah. And he was a, a groundbreaker in that. You know. Back to the Future. Yeah. Forrest Gump. Castaway, uh, yeah. well, ca- but Castaway, yeah, Castaway, Castaway was was a. It's big, funny that's exactly the conversation we had earlier. Castaway was <laughs> a big breakthrough in terms of that island isn't really even there. Uh-huh. You know, that's that's Tom Hanks in a parking lot at Sony. You know, and and for the most of that movie, and they they did go to a real island and so on, but uh, do some stuff, but there's hidden digital manipulation going on there. Just like in Forrest Gump, you don't see most oh, of the effects. Those are some Ken Ralston's reindeer. a badass. Oh yeah, yeah look at that freaks me out. It's wonderful. That, 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 that so needs a little, a, a little Doc Brown, that, that clock tower. I'm sorry, it just does. <laughs> a little skeleton Doc Brown. Yes, a little dead one, just crouched in the corner. <laughs> with, his, with his hair all glared oh, yeah. oh. out. Him hanging got, from, from the, the, the wire, but ah. with a noose around his neck. Oh. Oh. oh, I love that. I was thinking electrocuted, but the Ooh, noose that, works, That would be too. good, too. Yeah. Yeah, like strangled on, his, on, the, mm. uh, on the power cable. <laughs> You're sick. <laughs> Hey, we got one of the characters as a uh, – the background characters as a hangman's tree. He's got four yeah. people who have killed themselves hanging <laughs> or, or from been, him. Or been killed. Or been killed. So it's like a and they sing. End? And they sing. Yeah. Like the tree itself is the character? Yeah. But, yeah. It, but they sing. They're, they're you see, it, it, it was in the opening number. It came yeah. walking over the hill and the skeletons are swinging from it and they're singing a little chorus. It's sick, man. This movie is twisted and wrong, and children shouldn't see it. Whoa, they, focus pool. That's yeah. something crazy. Yeah. Not really. <laughs> in the, in it's crazy, I tell you. It's, it's only a model. It's crazy. It's crazy, I tell you. Okay, it's crazy. It's totally crazy. Now, one of the breakthroughs that I, I presume by this point they, they had, one of the big breakthroughs that computer and video technology actually made possible, even in stop motion, was the idea of the, the frame grabber, which made extremely complicated sequences like you see in this. I'm, I'm sure they probably had a frame grabber for that this. Is that just do like onion skinning? It's, it's essentially onion skinning. But at the time, it was you know, a very complicated, you know, unusual technology. Because you know, d- this is before digital f- cameras, really. Man. Digital photographs were still like, what, a digital camera, huh? Um, so uh, when we used them on Troopers for various things, too, and Phil had a setup, but, and Peach had them. And it's, it literally is just, it's, a, it's you point a camera, a video is a video camera, basically, at the time. And then, but you could store a frame from that video camera. You you, it was, you would grab a frame, you would capture a frame, and then 
move it to your next, you know, go in and do your adjustments, but then you could toggle back and forth between the previous frame where you had the character to the new frame. So you'd see what that the last frame you shot was and see what you've moved since then. And so you go, oh, I need to move that finger less than I did. Um, this is, a, you know, old-time stop-motion animators didn't have that ability. You just had to guess and remember and have a little, you know, marker that goes, okay, that's where his finger was last time. Here's where it yeah. is this time. But this you could actually see on, in a video, low-res video, the frame before it and go, oh, I, ooh, I need to move that finger more and I need to move that drapery in the background less and, and so on. So the, the animation could get much more sophisticated. Um, the, you know, the frame grabber was like a shocking, amazing revelation. Like, what? A digital photograph and then you can store them on a computer. Uh, That's and crazy. Then his, his brain. That's crazy. Yeah, that also is sick. So he's giving this yeah. guy half his brain. Yeah. It's wrong. It's wrong and bad. Burton corrupting America's... Now we're coming up on what is easily one of the most fun sequences in the movie. It's the Oogie Boogie song. I have to say I'm impressed with uh, Santa's... Uh, psychological resilience because <laughs> yeah. really he, I'd pops, lose it. Yeah. he pops out of there and, and he's pretty cool about yeah, the whole thing. Right. Like it, you, you'd think it turned his brain kind of inside out. Yeah. The things he saw the when he came out of that, that bag. Came out the far side and he's just... How do they do that? The uh, what? The little uh, bulge? B- bulging the pipe all the way around. I don't know, but it wasn't easy. <laughs> <laughs> sure as hell wasn't easy. I'll tell oh, you there that. you go. What's and his of, name? And of course, what's the enemy here? Capitalism. <laughs> of course. Right here, gambling. Of it course. It turns into Las Vegas. Is it Ken Page? Is that the voice? Uh, Ken something. Yeah, I, I think I it's know. Ken Page. Santa Claus. Ooh. Oh, he's so freaking cool. And yeah. this is a this is a hell of a character animation wise oh. too. Yeah, he's got this so is much hard hard animation. I mean, it's a Why bi- is that? it's a big freaking sack. <laughs> I mean, it's a giant bag, and so you know to have to to have to animate and it's, and it's great animation too. I'm like, this is he's the most expressive character practically in the whole movie and just. Exquisitely animated. Well, this is this is the one where you they they couldn't do face replacements. They, yeah, they had so to he's mess literally, with his face literally constantly. repositioning his face. So fortunately, he's got a huge mouth that they yeah. can do that with. But just look at the the body language on. Of course, he's one of the few characters that has at least something approaching a conventional body in this yeah. whole movie. But just look at the the. You know his expressiveness with his arms is just uh, yeah. whoever's whoever's you know and I'm just one of their leads or a, a few of their leads. Um, this is some damn damn good animation. Going so on. when you see and we and we do see um, what you were talking about earlier, <coughs> Fig is is his. Uh, um, he's he's kind of popping a little bit because we see the artifacts of the person handling him. You know, but Which I awesome. like that. Yeah, me yeah. too. So I'm assuming animators, stop motion animators, have reels. Sure. So you see a demo reel with this on it and go. You can did. I, can Oogie I buy Boogie. you lunch? You did Oogie Boogie. Bring you know, bring oh, it. Yeah, you're hired. Well, that, and that's why we got Tom. Tom was willing. Tom was willing to to come talk to us, and you know, he was willing to leave leave the the ranch just to talk to us. Um, and we brought in his reel, and of course, Phil, you know, knows a lot more about spotting good and bad stop motion than I do. Um, Phil looked at his reel and said, "So you animated all these shots?" And Tom goes, "Yeah." And Phil was immediately like, "He's good." <laughs> he looked at me like, "No, this Tom's Tom's good." Um, and I I could see it too. You know, I was like, "Yeah, he's good." Um, Oogie is also the the biggest puppet, and they and and they had some big puppets on this. I mean, Oogie's you, like three feet tall. Yeah, Oogie's yeah. two and a half, three feet tall, which um, is helpful because it, gets, yeah. it gives you more to, to work uh, with. Uh, oh, it even it like hits him. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, a, yeah, wow, depressing his little belly there. Little. <laughs> anyway, and if you see Ken Page do this, if that is his name, I think it's his name. Uh, he still sings this song every now and then, 
and uh, he moves and gesticulates and in some ways looks like this guy because he's just this big old dude with this big old voice just kind of going, ooh, I'm really just going to... Oh, I'm it, sure it's it's very much the thing where, where they, they recorded this first and based it on oh, him. But you look Absolutely at him and he, to, yeah. he totally does that thing where he's sort of like, I'm over here and I'm pointing there. And I look over here uh-huh. and I spin around and I do this. And it's just, it's the same sort of vibe. It's so funny to see people, uh, cartoons or stop motion animated against an actor because mm-hmm. like no better example than the genie in Aladdin it's like right. if Robin Williams was a genie that's exactly <laughs> what he would be like he, now, would be, he would turn into Jack Nicholson for five seconds every half an hour we had a little moment there where uh, the fog was was real time like that was clearly not stop motion <laughs> yeah, fog element um, so that was uh, that was pretty impressive to be, to be quite uh, quite honest about it the, the way they integrated that yeah, this, there we a, go. Yeah, this, this is, is one this of is the. A, this is a shot of the set, except it's not stop motion. Yeah. It's just real time of of of. Uh, dry These, ice the, yeah, those are like two of the only three shots in the film that are that were just that shot are real time shots. Yeah. In fact, there's they, another one after Oogie comes. If apart, they really wanted to oh. bake your noodle, as the expression goes, they should have then digitally put that real time shot onto twos. Yeah, because then we would have said that looks like stop motion. How the hell did they yeah. animate that? What? That How looks like real smoke. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they should have. They totally should. What have you done, <laughs> fools? <No. laughs> yeah. Well, that's a that's a trick that that we've used. Uh, I've, I used it in uh, Return of Pink Five, uh, Volume Two, and I used it. We used it in uh, uh, robot stuff that we did at, at Tippet, uh, like Virus and things like that. Is to actually take computer graphic stuff if it's supposed to be kind of a herky jerky robot, and actually make it look a little more like stop motion. Which is <laughs> like lower the motion blur. Or we, well, we would like like one of the tricks is literally like make all the keyframes square so that they don't spline so well. Um, remove as many keyframes as you can so it's kind of like zig 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 zig, and then literally um, you know try turn off uh, turn off the the motion blur a little bit or dial it down a little bit um, when you render it. But uh, the real trick is to like kill a lot of splines and make things linear, make a lot of movements linear. When, so you don't when have the, the, com- the Bezier com- curves, you mean? Exactly. When the when the the computer wants to spline them to make them smooth, and you say no, make that a flat slope, like yink, yink, yink. And the computer goes, uh, "Why would you, you want sure? to do that? I'm smarter than you. Are you sure you want to do that? I'm sorry, I'm afraid I can't yeah. do that, Trey. But if you, you not everything, because then everything gets kind of like the, too um, unnatural. But just like some parts of like some of the movement. Literally, we turn off the the, the smoothing and, and make them linear linear moves, and it makes it helps it gives things that little sort of extra robotic stop motion. Whenever look. I hear the song, um, uh, song? The, no, no, well, no. When I see when the in the real world, when I hear the Bob Seger song, turn the page. Oh yeah, yeah. there's there's this uh, there's the sax in it. And, oh yeah, and, 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 the, and the, the, the you know that yeah that that saxophone always reminds me of that little band there because there are certain <laughs> uh, there are certain little moments in there that where that sax sounds like the saxophone that that guy is playing, um, and so that that. That song always makes me think of this movie and, and to an extent, this this moment in the movie, Brian, which I'm not against. You, you I really used to like play that saxophone. Song, Talk about saxophones. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't played the saxophone in over ten years. Why wow. not? Go, because. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm coming up on almost ten years since I played an instrument. Isn't too. it? Isn't it crazy? Man, I yeah. I haven't uh, played since I left well, high school. Here's a question: um, If if Tim Burton, as he self admits, aside from rock band, but uh, <laughs> well, yeah, that's a, well, yeah doesn't of course, quite count. But no, uh, if Tim Burton self admittedly can't tell a good script or a good story if it came up and bit him, and he's responsible for the story in this, how did that happen? 
Uh, he was twenty two and probably on a lot of opiates. <laughs> it's, not, it's it's not that it's not that he can't write a good story. It's just that he doesn't know if he's done it or not. Yeah, he just writes the story he wants to write. If he's written, not everything he's done, he's written himself. This was just his own right. idea. So this happens to be a good story, but it's not like he could tell if this was versus you know and, Mars Attacks. And, or yeah, else. And there were a lot of. Although I did kind of like Mars Attacks, but there's, I enjoyed it too. Mars I, Attacks is, is what I it liked is. it for for what it I is. And I don't even know if he wrote yeah. that. You know, that's obviously based on other material. But I think someone else wrote it. But. There's a. Um, I mean, this this was heavily collaborative. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, it was him. Basically developing the story with Elfman because if you if you read the original um, mm. some of the original like short story and treatment and stuff like that um, some parts are very different uh, so mm. it, it was definitely a, a thing that developed over time and there's and no they way had to the songs yeah. and then Selick came in and there's no way to know at the end if you know if Selick said uh, so Tim were you thinking maybe we should have an ending in this movie or something <laughs> yeah you, <know>, you don't know <laughs> and that could be I was why thinking there's... maybe we could have an arc right? what if it wasn't so the, bizarre look and confusing all the set pieces are like extrapolated back to look like they were being shot on like a like a 300 millimeter lens mm-hmm. like everything is artificially narrow uh, narrow lens I don't even know how to describe it it's it's like a, this angle you always see what I'm saying that, that shot always messed with me but, and but you, even the houses no like the, look at the chairs in the background and stuff like that they all have that very flattened lack of perspective oh yeah yeah the, the perspective is is it's like very it's flat. like but it's like it's not a camera thing it's literally they're built they to designed look it flat. that way yeah yeah it's like, <laughs> it, it's it's basically like a um uh, like a forced perspective gag, ir- like irrespective of what they're doing with the lenses. Yeah. I always thought this was funny. It was very uh, Muppet Babies here. You never <laughs> see the face of any adult humans. You see the kids, but you never see the adults. Yeah. That's a good choice. Or Charlie Brown. Wah, 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 yeah. wah, wah, wah. What? Okay, now how does this work? I'll get you my There you go. Nice silhouette trick. That looks like... It's like hook. There's a book. There. <laughs> but look at the look at the angles in the house and all that stuff. Well, well now, they, now we they said that the the real world kind of is shot very I love isometric. That look by the the wreath where he's like, I kill you. <laughs> like he's just such an angry wreath, and I don't even understand <laughs> it. <laughs> I remember this uh, clip later. There you where go. The, look at the chair. Where the snake yeah. is eating the tree. <laughs> it's just fantastic. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is just wonderfully floating sick. and following them. Yeah. Even 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 when this movie came out, I, I enjoyed the cynicism <laughs> about Christmas that it had. It's like, yeah, this would this would be awesome for Christmas. This <laughs> is a good Christmas. This is the best Christmas ever. What it a is, bizarre choice. This is my favorite. Uh, <laughs> you know, my favorite part of the the movie. Was, it's very was, and it's and, yeah, I love that. Just it's very equal opportunity too. You got you got black kids and Asian kids yeah. and fat kids. Terrify anyone. <laughs> Kids who stand on rocks. <laughs> <laughs> Tough kids. Sissy kids. That'll do it. There you go. Keep Santa out. So this, this you got to wonder what people are thinking. They're like Santa has cracked. Yeah, this Santa is, has gone. It's over a great. The, it's the a edge. great idea. It's like, oh my god! <laughs> Finally, people have copped to the fact that having some guy come who can actually just come into your house anytime he wants to might be a bad thing. But what if the guy snaps? Yeah, this and reminds goes nuts. me of the uh, Weird Al song, "The Night Santa Went Crazy." Yep. Yep. It reminds me of the Futurama episode where Santa is a killer robot. Yes, and that's the last thing you want is for Santa yeah. to come down your chimney because it means you're dead. Ah, ah, ah. They did a uh, they did a movie called Santa's Sleigh. 
Oh, there you that go. was now. Now they now they referenced. They the, the sad thing is in in Ernest uh, Ernest Saves Christmas they were making a movie called Santa Slay and then they actually made one. <laughs> and then someone actually made it. And the uh, the the story was I, I I didn't see it. I tried to watch it and I just I just couldn't get past like the first two minutes. But um, I've heard other people tell me about it and I knew some of the people who had uh, I knew one of the editors on it and uh, he was talking about it and I thought it sounded awesome because. Um, the idea is that Santa Claus is actually this demon who was who was you know uh, uh, defeated in some battle or whatever, and he was he was his punishment was for a thousand years he had to do he had to give gifts and shit like that. <laughs> oh, but then to, the thousand years do, is but up. Then the thousand years is up, and now Santa's real pissed, oh. and he's going to go out and kill. But the best part was that the the. Um, the exposition, the flashback telling that story was done in the style of the Rudolph and Frosty oh, the Snowman wow. stop motion. So you say this movie is actually worth seeing? <laughs> that section of it is. I Again, I, I watched the first two minutes and I'm like, I don't think I can hack this. <laughs> I don't think I can do this. But um, I still want to check that out because it sounds like an amazing <laughs> premise. That is an amazing premise. That's a deathbed kind of premise. Yeah, exactly. This is wonderfully twisted, but, you know, it's, it's paying off a setup is that Sally, you know. Sally's actually decomponented herself yeah. to uh, to affect this rescue. It's it's great that his reaction is what? <laughs> yeah. This is where it gets weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is my line right here. Santa's bloomer is always kind of fascinating. <laughs> what the hell? His undercarriage. I don't understand anatomically what's going on with his undercarriage. Even as a kid, I think I had a problem with that. Just a list of first names. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, that doesn't make any sense. No social security numbers or addresses. addresses or nothing. Or... Now he gets it. Yeah. What? And a little Rudolph riff there. Glowing, glowing nose. Very nice. Come on, you have to lead the target a little bit. Yeah. yeah, do geez, yeah. How do you shoot Santa? You just, just don't lead him somewhere. <laughs> yes, a full metal jacket callback for Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> Remember, uh, you remember, you know, T, you know Laura Bath, uh, the DP for, for a lot yeah. of projects I've done. She's, as a running joke years ago, that just always cracked me up, is came out of a conversation, you know, what's the worst possible idea for a Christmas movie you've ever heard in your life? And, and the one that she said that her friends came up with, that I've never heard one that's topped it, um, is uh, Schindler Saves Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Which was, how do you follow Schindler's list? Is Oh, the, the holiday film, Schindler Saves Christmas, <laughs> is, the, is the sequel. You know, where they kind of take a more lighthearted approach to the whole Schindler thing, and he's, this time he's going to save Christians and make Christmas. Exactly. Safe. I'm like, wouldn't that involve him killing the Jews? Exactly. Really? So, well, it's, you never know. Maybe he saves <laughs> Christmas by making Christmas possible, and maybe that has something to do with killing, killing Jews after all. <laughs> but uh, see, that's the point. See, it could have a lot of meat to it. Yeah. Schindler saves Christmas. Okay, at, at least they all understand. They're like, all right, that wasn't actually Santa. <laughs> yeah. We've been duped. We've, we've been fooled. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just have to cancel all that uh, cheer and goodwill. <laughs> He's not coming with presents, guys. Until further so notice, Christmas is do over. not be kind to your fellow human yeah. beings. It's all a sham until we let you know otherwise. I thought you were being funny when you said you were <laughs> going to make this into a thing, but it's funny how well this corroborates the thing. Right? Yeah. <laughs> For real. Uh, yeah. Exactly. I'm like, that's that's why I thought of it. I'm like, this is actually true. Like They're like, oh, if you can't buy someone something, it, it doesn't count. Yeah. And really, no one's buying it. They're just getting it from Santa. They're depending upon handouts. Exactly, right? That's right. 
You're so raising a generation of people who can't fend for themselves. Santa. Apropos of, almost <laughs> barely apropos of nothing. I actually saw in all seriousness and full ser- it was it's Godwin's law. Not Godwin, not Godwin, pardon me, wrong one. Poe's law. Poe's law. Ah. Um, Godwin, although Godwin gets referenced a lot as well. But uh, a definitely an example of Poe's law, and unfortunately I do believe it was the real deal. Um, an extensive essay on why the Golden Girls is responsible for the generation of homosexuals we have now. Wow. And meant it. Wow. Meant it, ladies and gentlemen. It's, I'm almost fascinated. It's well, really part, quite something I mean, to I read. I mean, part of the reason I was doing the whole uh, communism thing is I'm like, if you argue it hard enough, you can find enough correlations well, to you, make it work. You can start to, you'll find someone who'll believe you exactly. eventually. It doesn't even have to be that hard. My favorite – I had a friend of mine who's also a huge Star Trek fan was doing a big end-of-term paper on Star Trek. And so she was doing research. And she sent me this – this article that this guy wrote, because apparently there's a lot of really, really conservative people that and are now, Star Trek fans. And now, by the way, now he turns into Sarah Palin here. He's like, it's not my fault. It's everyone else's fault. <laughs> everyone else is stupid. It was great. It's the liberal elite media. Yes. <laughs> Why are they out to get me? Calling me an imposter. I'm the pumpkin king. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I'm well, going to go rogue. <laughs> but this, this really, really conservative guy had apparently just had this epiphany that Star Trek is socialist propaganda and <laughs> this utopianism, which get if you out. look at it. It is. Of course yeah. it is. It's obviously. They don't even have money at all. They don't use money, and you just make whatever you want yeah. in magic boxes. Everyone <laughs> has everything. But it was so funny to read this guy's paper and his or this webpage and see him have this dawning realization. Wait till he hears about tooth decay. The shit's yeah. going to hit the fan. <laughs> and fluoridated water. Oh, golly. There we go. So oh, he's got like, some new ideas. Yeah. Everything will be fine. He's like, well, I fucked that up, but you know what? We're, we're good. <laughs> Who cares? At I'm, least he at least he does have the moment where he's like, "Oh wait, I still have a thing to fix." Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So it's it's this film is kind of helped by the fact that it's very brief because it's got a very thin story. It doesn't need any thicker of a story, if that's the right way to put it. It's a very simple little little, little allegorical. I'm parody. unclear as to what exactly he intends to do with them. <laughs> yeah. Is he going to eat them? Is he going to? Yeah, what, what does what does Oogie Boogie do to people? Yeah, what's exactly? the end game here? Is, yeah, I feel like they were worried about getting too specific because we said that about the kids too. They're just like, well, we're, I don't know what we're supposed to do. We're, That's true. Yeah. Well, no, they're they're trick or treaters. They they represent the trick or treat of of Halloween. Yeah. So they probably have the best gig in Halloween Town. They just have eternal trick or treating. Yeah. Candy all day long. Yeah. Again, handouts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. See? Again, Halloween also. And it's all represented as being a positive thing. Halloween is even worse. When you don't get your handouts, that's when things go bad. Halloween back. is yep. even worse. Yes, yeah, like give us free stuff or we'll mess with you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We will actually mess your house up or something. <laughs> or we'll just scare you, you know. It's like Halloween's total liberal holiday. <laughs> Pagan, secular, humanist holiday. Yeah. Communist. Every, every possible thing wrong with it. Socialist, Nazi. Um, socialist Nazi yeah, fascist fascist yes. socialist homosexuals fascist. Yes. gate gate <laughs> <laughs> now now as I recall I haven't, I haven't seen this movie in quite some time I like time. that Qui-Gon gambling just very did. nice yeah. the, the final the final battle with oh hell with, no final battle with Oogie Boogie here and especially Oogie Boogie's uh, you know spoiler death or, or whatever that is <gasps> that we call it um, yeah. is just an amazing again more tour de force of animation is just and and look at uh, 
the complexity of the building of the model, because, of course, Oogie Boogie is supposed to look like a potato sack or a burlap sack. But clearly, he's not made of burlap because he's, he's holding his shape from shot from frame to frame. You know, he's made of a, some kind of polymer or God knows what that uh, actually looks like burlap, but yet isn't. Because otherwise, he, would, he wouldn't have the texture. You know, the texture would be far more mobile than it is every time they moved him from one frame to the next. So it's an amazing technology at work there. I think but it's it, like uh, chicken wire or something. It's, well, I think it's more sophisticated mesh. than that. I think that's like a plastic, you know, plasticized mm-hmm. something or other. But um, anyway, the, I remember that the, the, his animation in general is amazing. But his death where he unravels is like, oh, my God. <laughs> that's like, oh, who, whose nightmare job was it to animate that? You know, with bugs falling off of him and everything else. Oh, and here he goes. He's going to start to unravel. Yep, yep. We just saw the uh, the setup. He's got this this stuff all over the place to destroy each other. Like, yeah. like his his lair is designed to destroy itself. It's poor design. It's like plus if you know if if you can fall victim to being unraveled, yeah. maybe you shouldn't have so many sharp, pointy, spinny things yeah. in your. <laughs> Who would want to have a bunch of choppy, crushy things in, <laughs> in your oogie boogie house if you were the oogie boogie? <laughs> Look this, at that thing. Yeah. Now there's some animation that's not easy to do. Oh boy! Every wow. single frame. <laughs> and there's the uh, 24p shot. The other one. That's oh, that's actual time. stuff just yeah. being dropped. Yeah, because you wouldn't want to animate that yeah. as stop motion. That would be a nightmare. Oh, oh ASPC is mad. So he well, was man. Ex- Santa's pretty. Uh, yeah, even Santa. He's. The, it's over now. The day Santa got even. Yeah. So he was actually the inspiration for the uh, the the vermin man from Constantine. I never realized that before. Of course, she never said anything, as far as we know, to Santa. But maybe they were chatting. <laughs> well, they did. She did save his life yeah. with her body parts. Motherfucker! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sa- do I look like a bitch? I'm Santa Claus. I do like that. That he he teleported by putting his his finger, finger on the side of his, his nose. nose. Yeah, because that's, that's what he does. That's how he rolls. Is that a Santa Claus thing? Yes. Yeah. From uh, and a, the, the, the night before Christmas. 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 Yeah, Laying yeah, a finger aside of his nose. Which, of course, the it's, chimney not, he rose. it's not clear from The Night Before Christmas if that's how he actually motivates himself up the chimney or that's just something he did before he, he did. went up the chimney. Ta- he's like, hey, like he's like, hey, check it out. I'm going to use my teleport device. Yeah, in my nostril. Yeah. Well, like, you know. I, I, I do like that. Uh, that I blinked my eyes three, car- three times before I put my car in second gear, but that doesn't mean that's how my car got into <laughs> second gear. I laid my finger aside of my nose and went up in the elevator. But, Trey, correlation always Wait, equals, equals causation. causation. You're right, of course, Professor. I should have known Dr. Jones. Okay, wow. That kid deserves <laughs> uh, so That right. kid didn't have it the worst. He just yeah. – he had an no. inanimate shrunken head. He had shrunken a shrunken head. head. Big deal. He doesn't deal. deserve a puppy. He didn't get his tree eaten by a snake. Exactly. Like, really. That's... Or his younger brother. Or... Yeah. That's disproportionate. And you know why? Because he was white. That's right. The other kids were <laughs> black and chased by evil things. Yeah. And he wasn't fat because he's got to be ideal. Yeah. So they, he, oh, yeah. He wasn't fat. The fat yeah. kid gets a candy cane. Yeah. What the hell is that? That's profiling. <laughs> <What's going on? laughs> totally profiling. Santa's like one of the worst profilers of all. Exactly. Oh, you're a girl. Let me see. What do you get? You get a Barbie or an Easy Bake Oven. I think I'm going to give you a skill saw and a chess set. How about that? Whoa. These, uh, this, these snowflakes are not working for me. That's the one thing that suddenly I'm like, whoa. Well, it's very The Daily Show. Yeah. yeah. They're, well, they're clearly an optical. They'll yeah. just add it later. But, uh, that you would not stop motion animation. Yeah. This was um, 
There's another version where that pumpkin is actually Tim Burton's severed head Aww, that they nice. were playing hockey with. That, you can see it on the uh, the behind the scenes, but they redid it with a pumpkin because because that's when it? like that that was that was when like Disney's like not even Touchstone guys yeah. no 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 <laughs> severed head hockey no <laughs> that's a bummer vampires playing ice hockey is 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 a, is fun well, it's better than me. vampires playing baseball yeah was, is that something from Twilight do <laughs> yes. they play baseball I was yeah. gonna say I was gonna say vampires playing ice hockey is you know beat take that Twilight beat that yeah although you know. That got a lot of flack, but I'm like, that's that's one of the things I have the least problem with from Twilight, quite frankly. They're the, immortal and they need something to do. I'd rather they did that than get all emo inside their houses. Do they play, day. like, vampire baseball? Yes, they do. There's a way vampires play like baseball. They, like, run around the bases really fast? Yes. At vampire they speed. run around the bases really <laughs> oh my fast. God. And they're, and they're strong enough that they can basically, you know, they can, they can hit, the hit the baseball like forever. a mile. And yeah. they, they, can only, they can only play during thunderstorms because that's what hitting the ball sounds like. So the only way to hide what they're doing is to play it during thunderstorms. You know, Twilight is like, is like Poe's Law itself. <laughs> it totally is. Are you serious? Yeah. Because <laughs> I've never read any Twilight books and I've never seen any Twilight movies. But the more I hear about Twilight when people are saying what Twilight is about, the more I'm thinking, okay, that's really freaking funny what really happens. Yeah. And that's what really happens. Yeah, I know, but seriously. What they're talking about is really what, what happens in Twilight. Twilight Twilight is a Poe's Law thing. There we go. And they kiss. There I like is. how they, they're they wise enough to do that shot from far away because they're like, we don't understand the mechanism yeah. by which these two characters <laughs> shall kiss. How would they kiss? Forget that's, that. We don't need to know that. Heads bump, that's all. Yeah, they just kind of press their, their and, skeletal and really, death faces together. And quite honestly, it's funny because, I mean, you, get, you, you can get through it and not really think about it because it's fun and it's short and it's a fairy tale, but... There's really no motivation behind their relationship. They spend almost yeah. no time on screen. There's together. no chemistry. They have, between al- those they, have two. they have almost no interaction whatsoever. She's concerned about him, but he barely seems aware that she exists. She loves him from the beginning, and that's just a given. Yeah, it's just she does. There and you then, go. and then at the end, he loves her essentially out apropos of nothing. Yeah. Like, like he barely acknowledges or is aware of her at any point. Although she does help him uh, uh, make his suit, so I guess I guess you can assume there was some off-screen relationship. And she helped save Santa. Yes, That's like right. I said, but that was more about her being. I mean, she's you know she's a strong female lead, but I just don't buy the the love connection necessarily. <laughs> I myself don't particularly like this movie. However, I really oh, I really like it on paper. Um, <laughs> on and paper, it's, it's and, awesome. And, and it's funny because we we found hey, there's not always no a, relation. Uh, there's not always a direct <laughs> connection. What about Anthony Scott? Uh, yeah. Hey, what's what about up with Richard Anthony C. Scott? Zimmerman? We got three. I'm probably three right related there. to Anthony Scott on yeah. some. The, level, uh, yeah. we're, we're finding out that there's not necessarily a relationship between how long a movie is and how hard it is to watch without the sound on. Right. This this yeah. felt kind of long. Yeah. Yeah. With, yeah. No, with no with no uh, with no sound. Yeah, well, without the music, yeah, which is certainly the big draw for the film. Anyway. And, and visuals are nice. The visuals are nice, no doubt about it. I don't think I, I don't. I think this is about the right length, though. Yeah. Especially for oh yeah, kids. I would. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the went right there, did you? Yeah, Brian. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's never it's not my bag. It never really was, and I'm content to go on with my life and not really think about it for the next ten years. Is, is that wrong to say? No, I, no, it's not. So, I, I like. Just don't w- go to hot topic. Uh, yeah, well, I'm I'm good with that. I do. William like, Hickey. That's the name I was going for. Paul Rubens. Like what you were talking about. Um, with the, the tagline, Ken Page. That's right. With yeah. the um, that's what you said. Yeah, no, with the pitch. Okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> I was pretty stoked. 
Like I love I love how this this movie exists. This is a movie. It's a great example of the pitch. If if your movie is a good <laughs> idea in a sentence, it's Just a good idea. Armature engineers, by the way, Blair Clark, Merrick Cheney, and Bart Treckle all then worked with me at uh, Tippet. They all moved. A lot of these people, these behind the scenes people, are not animators, but then moved over to Tippet. Um, Blair Blair still Tippet today to this day. I think Bart is as well. Michael, go on. I, um, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Yeah, I had yeah whatever. Yeah, no, no one cares. Uh, I love this movie enough for all of us. Okay, so if it's just me, that's more for me. Me and this movie will mm. – oh, and Chloe's Joel Frisch, Paul Jay-Z, again, also. Tip it, people. Now, now you, you, can, you can go have the Princess Bride, and me and this movie will be in the other <laughs> that's bedroom. That's fine. Okay? That's, <laughs> that's, that's fine. That's how it'll be. That would be just fine. <laughs> We're all gonna go fuck the shit out of the Princess Bride. <laughs> <laughs> you do that, and it's it's yeah. Me and me and Nightmare, we're we're gonna have a go a, cry. A, okay, yeah, we're gonna. What's this? What's this? Yeah, <laughs> Trey. I you know I, same kind of same as as Brian is is uh, and you and you as well I suppose that uh, I appreciate it. I didn't hate it at all. Um, it didn't really have a huge resonance for me when I first saw it. See, that is how Greg I feel about groups. Princess Bride. That's so what they, I'm talking about. Oh, there you about. go. Greg Proops. Whoa, hey, Proops. Gregory Proops. Hi, Greg. As the demon. So, um, you know, it's it's. I think it's a perfectly fun movie. I think it's fine. I, I think it's. I more admire it for what it represents than what it is, which is, hey, somebody made a full on stop motion feature, and that's fantastic. And I'm glad that you know. Some, and not only that, they wanted to make another one, and good for them. Um, I actually like James and the Giant Peach more than I like this film. I actually Pixar. Kinda, I kind of dig. Yeah, that's what, they so, did some digital what, stuff. What that Pic- was Pixar. That's at what the time. Pixar was <laughs> at the time. Is three guys who could use a computer to do some uh, imagery. Um, Pixar did those uh, those snowflakes that I was so <laughs> yeah, enamored yeah, with. Yeah, that's exactly the kind of stuff they would have done. Some of them, some of those little digital fire animations. And oh so yeah, on. yeah, um, yeah. So a lot, you know, Phil Phil's company at the time <coughs> before this was you know obviously also a stop motion house. So a lot of these people would go back and forth between whatever Selleck had going on and maybe what Phil had going on or a little side project. <coughs> but then we just couldn't get them away from Peach because they had this lifetime deal at the time. So so, it fits. so what I, is that credit there? With underneath photographers, so it fits. I don't it's know. It's probably a company. It's somebody's company or somebody's company. And, uh, yeah, or what they did, I have no idea. Anyway, bomb, yes. so I, I yeah, think I, this film is is perfectly fine. Again, it certainly is less uh, required viewing if you're not going to be listening to the songs. Um, yeah, we kind of yeah, so shot we, ourselves uh, in the foot. Yeah, on that we one. definitely we definitely gave us gave it the uh, the least most uh, possible interesting way to watch so, the film. So look 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 out for uh, next month when we release our, yeah. our visual commentary where we do interpretive dance to yeah. the soundtrack to the soundtrack. So uh, hey, listen, go. it's it's seventy six minutes long. You can watch it again right now. Yeah, okay. go ahead. All right, it's as long as you know watching a regular. Movie. Exactly. And until next time, you can always find more good commentaries at downinfront.net. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash downinfront. Find our Facebook page, be a fan, all that stuff. Run iTunes, you can subscribe, get a brand new commentary every single week. And as always, my friends, I am Christy. Ryan Benefit. What's this? <laughs> this is Trey Stokes. And this has been Down in Front. Thank you very much for listening. Good night. Good night. Good night. Trendsinyourhead.com.